Welcome to Become an Idol. I'm Dr. Robin Sargent, owner of Idol Courses. This is the place where newbies come to learn and veterans share their knowledge. I have here with me today, Sharon Tavares, and she is an Idol Courses Academy success story and so much more. I met Sharon in the Academy and I've brought her on the podcast for her to share her story with you. And so Sharon, will you please do a better job of introducing yourself and giving us a little bit of background from where you came and and how you found the Academy? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Robin. My name is Sharon and I am American, which is how I always introduce myself now. (laughs) I never did before because I'm living in Sweden now. I've been here for about a year. But backing up, I have been, my background is in teaching English as a second language. And I've been doing that or I was doing that for about a decade. And then my family moved to Sweden when my husband got a job uh, making video games here. And so my kids started new schools and they were thrown into learning Swedish. And my husband went from making movies to video games and everyone had all these big changes. And I was still teaching my same students in the same virtual classrooms because I've always taught online and training the same types of teachers. And it felt like time for me to also have a big change. And so I started looking around to see what I could do with teaching English in a country where almost everyone speaks English already. (laughs) And I started looking into other kind of side options. And I heard about instructional design, which I had never even heard of before. And I was just talking to some people on LinkedIn to say, how do I even get into this? How do I learn more about this? And everyone told me the Idol Academy. And I thought, all right. (laughs) And I didn't know that much about it. I did a little bit of research. I did the week before, I forget, we call it kind of the do it messy. And I just knew this was perfect. The more I learned about it, the more it felt like... This is sort of what I've already been doing and also everything I want to do all kind of mixed up and it was the perfect fit. And so I joined the Academy and I'm just so glad that I did. So how long did it take you shared from the time that you moved to Sweden? You're like, oh, I need a new job to finding instructional design to enrolling. Because I know you enrolled in January, 2021. Oh gosh, was it January? I was thinking it was June. (laughs) 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 I was cohort seven, I believe. Okay. So I remember, I remember thinking this is the summertime. Who signs up for courses in the summertime? <laughs> so let me think. I got to Sweden in February and then I got everybody settled and got everyone in school. And then I started researching things. So February, March, April, May, June, four months. Yeah. It was four months, months um, before I signed up. Yeah. Yeah. Before I signed up with the Academy. Okay. And so, all right. So you sign up in June. You're like, who does courses in June in the summertime? Yes. But I guess you're probably on summer break for school. Yes. So my kids are on summer break in Sweden. Everyone gets four months or four weeks off in the summer. So my husband's on vacation and and here I am studying away. But it was good because I had lots of time where my husband could help with the kids more. And I was able to kind of devote a lot of time to it. So. Yeah, I went all in and I studied. I went through the two weeks, do it messy. And I stayed on track for like a week and then I rapidly got behind. (laughs) And I was still studying, but I just couldn't churn out the content as fast as I guess the two weeks kind of push had in mind. But I knew I wanted to have like really good content. And so 
I worked through it as best I could. And the mentor sessions with Gretchen were super helpful to keep me motivated. And after maybe um, a month and a half or two months, I got a call from like a friend of a friend of a friend who said that she was starting up an English school and she needed someone to train all of the teachers and create all of the new content, which I was like, that's amazing. (laughs) So similar to what I was doing, but now I would be the one, basically the instructional designer. And I wrote to Gretchen, my mentor, and I said, I didn't even really earn this job. It just kind of fell in my lap. I feel like I've been studying so hard and it didn't really like matter because I got the job anyway. And she was saying, the Academy will help you keep the job. (laughs) Maybe you got it (laughs) luckily, but you'll keep it from what you learned, which was absolutely true. And also right away in the Academy, you encouraged us to look for an internship, which I had struggled so long with how do I even get experience in this industry? And it was so simple. You just tell people you'll work for free. (laughs) And plenty of people are happy to have you create training materials. So I found a small magazine that needed someone to create all the onboarding material for their volunteer writers that were kind of all over the country of the US. And so then all of a sudden I had two like kind of jobs as an instructional designer within like two months of starting the academy, which was amazing. And it was so much a good experience. And so then I just started working through the academy material to help me figure out how to do those jobs. <laughs> like, yes, I'll create onboarding material. Let me figure out what that is. <laughs> and so I was just digging through all the videos and watching everything to uh, like for my kickoff meeting with the magazine. I was so stressed out. How do I have a kickoff meeting? And then there was a video for that. So the academy was such a lifesaver because I could look semi-competent in my internship and my job because I had that material to help me. So that was all going well. And then after a, maybe another mm, couple months with the job for the English school, the work started to slow down a bit, which kind of happens. You know, you create a lot of the training material. We got a lot of people onboarded. And then they were saying, we only need you like 15 hours a month or something. And my internship was also slowing down. And so all of a sudden, I was thinking, maybe I'll apply for like real jobs. <laughs> which was super big and scary, especially here in Sweden. I could only get a job working for a really big international company because I don't speak Swedish. So whereas like working remotely, I could do smaller companies, but for tax reasons, I needed a job in Sweden with a really big company. So and one of the first things you had to set our idle goals and write down like your dream company and don't, you know, shoot for the stars. And I wrote down Ikea And then I quickly scratched it out and I wrote freelance because I thought there's no way I can get a job with Ikea when I don't even know what I'm doing. But as the internship and the job hours slowed down, I started looking on LinkedIn for jobs and Ikea was hiring for five instructional designers, which was crazy because I had it as like a job search in the background and I hadn't seen any. And all of a sudden they had five for different departments because they're very big. And I thought, now's my moment. And so in the academy, I went through the material to write my resume, to get my LinkedIn all spruced up. So before I had the academy to help me like be competent in my jobs, and then I started working through the content to figure out how to get a real job. I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot. <laughs> oh no, I'm loving it. Keep going. Okay. So one of the jobs, the deadline was in three weeks. And so I worked through my resume and everything and I got everything submitted for the job application like two days before the deadline. And then the next one, the resume was due in another two weeks. And I just had that one ready to submit two weeks early. It was a couple different positions for each deadline. So then 
I didn't hear back from the first one after two days. And I thought, what am I thinking? (laughs) Of course, I'm not qualified for this. There's no way I'm going to get a call back. And then I got a call back from them about a week later saying they wanted me to do pre-recorded interview where they would, they had like five questions. Someone from each team would record the question and I had a couple minutes to respond to it, which felt like a really good first like ease into the interview process. And I, so I, I found these, I dug these out today. I made myself flashcards with like a million interview questions that I might need to prepare for. (laughs) And I got these from your list in the Academy. Right. (laughs) And so I went through those and then I just memorized and studied and memorized and studied. And then I got into the time we had set aside for me to record my answers. And they said, it'll probably take like 15 minutes because you have one minute to respond to each one. But they gave you, after they asked the question, they give you as much time as you wanted before you press record. And it took me four hours. <laughs> it took forever. <laughs> because they'd asked the question, I'd like have a little panic attack. And I, because I only had a minute to condense my answers. So while I had like rehearsed all my answers, getting it all concise into 60 seconds was super hard. But I struggled through that. <laughs> and I made it to the end and thought, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. That was rough. And I don't know if I sound even relatively competent, but that was fine. And then I met someone in the academy after that. And I told her uh, my interview was not awesome. Camila is her name. I should just mention that she's amazing. And she's also in Europe. And so I felt like soul sister. (laughs) There's not many people in my time zone. And I told her that the interview was rough. And she said, I'll do a prep interview with you. And she did. And it was so sweet of her, but all my answers, she was like, well, why didn't you talk about this? And why didn't you mention that? And I just like cried afterwards because it was so terrible. (laughs) And then I got a call back from the other job I applied for the next day saying they wanted to do an in-person interview for the other position, which I was like, oh gosh. (laughs) But I took all Camila's feedback, which was really relevant. And she was super nice, but she was so right. I wasn't saying a lot of things I should have. And so when I went to the in-person interview, I was like super ready and I had all my answers drilled down and it was two like really intimidating businessmen. They weren't learning designers. They weren't instructional designers at all. They were people that had been at Ikea for 30 years and know the business. And so every answer I had, they wanted to know like what my business results were and what the numbers were. And it was just like question, 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 question. And my kid's alarm went off in the middle. And then I accidentally exited the Zoom call. It was like a little bit of a disaster. And so we got to the end and they said, we have a few minutes left so we can look, we have time to look at your portfolio, which I had been working a lot on through the Academy. And I opened my portfolio and they were like blown away. (laughs) And then they asked me when I could start. And I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) This has been so stressful. And it wasn't like we're offering you the job, but now all of a sudden the last three minutes, they saw my portfolio and they're super interested. And so that one ended and I thought, there is no way. (laughs) But like Hail Mary at the end, I don't think I can say that. And then the next day I got a call back from the first position and they said they wanted to do an in-person interview with me. But instead of Zoom, this time I would go to the office, which it always feels like it's ramping up, ramping up, right? And I thought, okay, I can do an in-the-office interview. And so I went to Ikea and their office is amazing and they have like hammocks and it's like huge staircases covered in pillows where people just lounge for meetings and they have like cinnamon rolls and it's all just lovely. And the meatballs. 
and there's meatballs. Yes, there's meatballs. And it was like such a cool office. So it was really exciting to be there. And now at this point, I had like all my business answers ready and I had all my questions drilled down to 60 seconds. And I felt like I was ready to sit in a room with people. And they were two really lovely Swedish ladies who are older and they're both instructional designers. And they first introduced themselves spending like 15 minutes each telling me their life stories. And it was like, (laughs) they brought me tea and it was so relaxing and just like a really natural conversation. And it was so lovely. And I just like had a fabulous time. So that was great. And it was like such the polar opposite of what I had with the businessmen. (laughs) And so then I heard back from the businessmen actually two days later. And they said that they wanted a work sample from me, which I hadn't done a work sample before. (laughs) And they wanted a 15 minute e-learn in a weekend, which I, I have no context for if that was overwhelming or not. And I reached out to someone I'd met on LinkedIn and she was like, that's a lot. <laughs> I'd never had to time an e-learn. I'd only made one for my portfolio. So I hadn't, I didn't really know how long that'd be. And they wanted it to have a branching scenario at the end. And they wanted it to be the Ikea tone of voice and all these different things. And so I worked like night and day on that thing. <laughs> and I got feedback from people in the academy and felt pretty good about it when I submitted it on Monday. And it was definitely the best thing I had made, which is not, you know, I hadn't made them anything. So it was pretty much just the portfolio in that. And so I submitted that and felt good about it. And then I heard back from the lovely Swedish ladies the next day and they said it was a no. But they said they weren't going to hire me for that position. And I had a lot more energy than most Swedes do. Did they say that? Was that their feedback? I was like, that's very interesting feedback. But they said, we're happy to give you more feedback if you want to set aside another meeting. And I was like, absolutely. Yes, let's do that. And then it was kind of open-ended. And I heard back from the businessmen. And they said they wanted me to have an interview with the highest, highest person in their department, kind of like a final okay interview. So the businessmen liked my work sample and they wanted me to do the final, they call it like the grandparent interview in Ikea, (laughs) which I was like, oh, grandparent interview. I need to get that feedback from the other position. (laughs) And so I emailed the people, the other position. I was like, so excited to get your feedback. Could we do that tomorrow? (laughs) I'm going to go meet with the godfather. (laughs) The grandpa interview. And they were so lovely. And so the lady called me, the hiring manager for the other position called me on her bike ride home because everybody bikes in Sweden. (laughs) She called me on her bike ride home. She's like in the rain and she's still just so lovely. And she was saying like, they, you know, all these things they liked about me, but they wanted me to ask more about the business And they wanted me to have some more like business, you know, she gave me really good specific feedback and I was like, perfect. And so then I had my godfather, grandpa interview the next day and I was able to apply her feedback and have like a really good, that was also like a really good natural conversation. But I was, you know, asked a few more business questions and kind of drilled down to not just the niceties, but also like, what does this job entail and ask some better questions. Uh, and so the grandparent interview went well, and I got offered the job with the scary businessmen who are actually very nice people. <laughs> so with all interviews with Ikea, one was with the, oh. the nice ladies, and then we had the businessmen, yes. the suits. Yes, <laughs> the suits. 
And the suits are very fun to work with because they were just working with consultants before. And that's why they needed me. And they hired one other person because they don't know anything about learning development. (laughs) And so we've been phasing out the consultants and they're very much asking me like, what resources do you need? What, like, how can we support you? Cause I, they don't know about this, which explains the intense interview process. (laughs) So, but it's fun because I still see the other lovely Swedish ladies and the office sometimes. And we've, you know, met up in different meetings. We cross paths still. So it's nice when, you are in the same really big company. There's lots of different groups of learning developers. And so I reach out to people on their team to see how they're doing things. And we're able to kind of cross connect that way and learn from each other. So I don't think like any doors are shut or anything. And it really was like through both of these interview processes, such a really great learning experience. So I'm still shocked one of them panned out, but I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that it did. Okay. So what's your official title? And it sounds like you've replaced the consultant. So are you, I mean, are you kind of in a, like a leadership role or tell me about it? I'm not, not in a leadership role. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, it's actually a contract, right? And so it started off as an eight month contract and now they're extending it like another year. And so we'll see the project I'm in is it's a transformation. They're transforming part of the business. And so at some point the transformation ends and we'll see what happens with it's a big transformation and I'm working with people in call centers. So we're kind of changing the way all the training is happening for the call centers around uh, the world, which is very unique dealing with translations and so many different cultures. And I have meetings with people from different countries every day, which is super fun. But my title is the digital learning developer, which is why my portfolio was so important because I focus on, well, they tell me I focus on creating the digital content but so much I have learned, at least in my role of being a learning designer, is not creating things. It's like being in meetings and interviewing and feedback, you know, like the actual fun creating digital things is like a couple weeks. <laughs> 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 at least in my role. I think if I was in a different position, we would have lots more smaller learning solutions we are creating where I'm working on really big learning solutions that are time spans are really long. So the actual creation is small, but we have so many reference groups and focus groups and tens of thousands of learners that it's a slow process to get something created. Because you don't want to get it wrong, right? And roll it out to thousands of employees. No. What did Sharon do? (laughs) What did Sharon do, right? So even now, like, oh, I'm in meetings every day to talk to different countries about when they're going to roll out the training. Which day are you going to do it? Can I be... So it's just so many details. We have meetings about meetings about meetings. (laughs) But it's good. But it's good. So I'm curious. So, all right. So right now you're kind of in big projects. You had to learn to ask good questions about the business during your interviews. I Mm. bet that a lot of people listening would be like, well, what kind of questions did you ask, Sharon? What did you actually learn that you had to research about the business to be able to ask good questions? Because I think that's an important part. I think a lot of people that make the transition to instructional design are missing some of those fundamental business skills. They just don't even know what they need to learn. And so what are some of those tips that you would share as far as like how to research the business, the good questions to ask, and then even just basic business concepts that really helped you? Yeah. I think what was hard for me in the interviews is I, 
I don't know if it's Ikea or all businesses. There's so many acronyms I didn't know. Right. And I was like embarrassed to even say like, what, what is this job? (laughs) I don't even know what your department is. (laughs) So just being willing to say like, I'm sorry, what, what is a CSC? And they say like, oh, it's a customer support center. Okay. That's fine. You know, like that's not embarrassing to ask that. So just, I think (laughs) being open enough to ask questions barrier questions. Cause once I know a CSC is a call center, now I can ask intelligent questions. <laughs> like, okay. What's the issue with a call center? How many, you know, all of those things. But in the interview where I didn't ask enough business questions, I was just embarrassed that I didn't know the name of the department and what that would deal with. Right. Like CFO. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> and so then I kind of just avoided that and talked about like myself and presented myself as best I could. But in the other one, I was able to ask better questions because just ask questions to allow me to ask better questions, basically. So not being afraid to ask about the acronyms, being willing to ask why the position is open, what the goals were for that position. And I did a lot of research just about IKEA's kind of background and values and things. And at least at IKEA, that is built into almost every meeting. They talk about their values. It's something that's really like alive in the culture. So being able to identify which of those values I identified with, like which ones were important to me and which ones I could tie into moving forward was something really important to um, address and kind of, I guess, highlight in the meetings. Even they didn't ask that specifically, like asking, well, why are you applying for this job? Making sure those values were intertwined made it obvious that like I was a good fit for Ikea if I already knew those things. So that was important. Yeah. Okay, so now you've been in your role for like, what, how many months? Has it been a year yet? Not yet. No, I started in December. It was a long interview process, right? January, March, April, May, May, six months. Yeah. 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 And so over those six months, one of the things you learned, right, is that like, you only get to create a little bit. You do a lot of analysis, sounds like, a lot of meetings. What are some of the other things that surprised you about your first full-time instructional design role? Yeah, I think I had a lot of questions about how I could work on a team, you know, how I would collaborate with other learning developers. So I assumed that I would be doing that, which it was interesting because I came onto a team that had no learning developers from Ikea and then consultants. And so it's hard to collaborate with people that you are also sort of replacing but they don't really want to be replaced. They want to stay. And so I guess one of the first things my boss wanted me to look over the content that they had already created and to let him know if it was good because he didn't really have a way (laughs) to evaluate (laughs) if it was like pedagogically sound, you know, and developed well and things. And at least a couple of them had a lot of issues like storyline courses that were pretty buggy or things that weren't interactive enough. It was all like text heavy slides and things that were just copy paste from PowerPoints. And so he told me, awesome. When we meet with the consultants, one of my first times meeting with them, he wanted me to present all of the negative feedback I had for them, (laughs) which I was like, Oh, I don't know. (laughs) You're like, that's so uncomfortable for me. (laughs) And I pushed back saying, I really, I don't, I don't want to do that. So it was, Um, it's been a lot of learning about like business things, you know, things I didn't have to do before coming from a world of education where I wasn't really like criticizing 
colleagues work, you know, like I'm grading papers and correcting students, but they expect that. So figuring out how to tell people like, it's still, it's still the standard approach. You know, it's not that different, <laughs> but making sure that we can like maintain a good working relationship moving forward, but also pushing the content to be better and pointing out ways that can be better. Because that was a big part of my job is they really emphasize your role is to bring our stuff to the next level. So right now we have things here, but we feel like you can push it here, which I felt a little bit nervous about. <laughs> so having that job and also communicating with people well, like your stuff is good, but maybe, you know, nicely, I think this could be cool or that could be cool. And also getting the pushback from them. Like we know that could be cool, but there's X, Y, and Z limitations that I hadn't even thought about. Right. Like, have you translated something into 30 languages with seven animated videos in it, Sharon? <laughs> no. <laughs> Have you tried to upload that on our LMS, which has limitations for file sizes? You know, like, so then finding all these barriers. So <laughs> it's one thing, like, come up with creative ideas. Okay, I can do that. Now deal with all of the limitations and the lawyers, you know, and the unions and the different countries and so it's been an interesting balance. Like, be really creative, but don't step on anybody's toes and make sure you have all of these things in mind. So I think it's really exciting to work on a global level, but it's also limiting in some ways. Where when I did like my internship with that small magazine, it was like, do it how you want. It'll be amazing. <laughs> and there was no restrictions at all. Where here, I have to be a lot more careful. And before I can really make any decisions... I have to check with a lot of people and budgets and countries and everything before I can move forward. That's why things move slow. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that some of those internships were really kind of ways to prepare you to land your, your dream job in some ways? You know, the fact that you got that experience first or... Yeah, no, absolutely. I could not have done this without the internship and that job with the... The English school, basically, because in my interviews, they wanted me to answer, how have I worked in an agile way? Which I was like, what is agile? (laughs) (laughs) And then I figure out what agile is. (laughs) Okay. You know, and then I'm like, what in my experience? So a lot of what really helped me in the academy was you telling me what my experience, how that could like map over and using different words. It was what they were asking. And I had done those things. So I had that from the internship, like, tell me about a time you worked with Sneeze. And instead of talking about like working with students' parents, I could talk about working with like the CEO of the company of 10 people, you know? (laughs) So even though they weren't huge companies, they were subject matter experts. And it was like a business with goals, with budgets that I had like actual corporate experience for. So something I still struggle with in every meeting when I meeting new people, everyone talks about either how long they've been with Ikea or what their experience was prior to that. And I always feel like a little... I'm not embarrassed. I don't really know how to like (laughs) still seem like competent, but saying like I am an English teacher formally. (laughs) So (laughs) it's nice if I can like explain it through the experience that I got with the internship. I've worked with a magazine. I've worked with international schools and training teachers all around the world. You know, so while that wasn't the majority of my experience, and that's really not the only thing that prepared me for this, that's what sounds the best, like in corporate business world. And so that's usually what I'll reference when people want to know why I'm qualified for my job. (laughs) 
Well, you're obviously qualified. The suits thought so. And they put you in charge of giving other consultants <laughs> feedback. So that's pretty good yes. sign. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. There's suits now. Yes. <laughs> so do you go into the IKEA office at all anymore? Are you 100% remote? What's that look like? With COVID, I didn't go that often. I went once a week before. It's a 20-minute bike ride. I bike everywhere. <laughs> so I still go. I go like once or twice a week. What's oh another unexpected thing is I have business trips. I feel very adult going on business trips. <laughs> so I didn't realize travel would be a part of this, but in a couple months, uh, we're going to be rolling out learning solutions to, you know, all these different countries. And I'm focusing on the countries in Europe. And so I'm going to be traveling to France and Belgium and Denmark and all these places to do the train the trainers in person. So that's like really exciting. We just got back from London a couple of weeks ago to go meet our consultants in person. And we had like such a fun weekend together. So I didn't anticipate traveling being a part of it and just like building so many really cool relationships with people all around the world. That's been such a fun part of my job where before when I was working as an English teacher remotely, I had my students, but I didn't have like professional relationships with my colleagues. It was much more isolated. And now I have, I'm like building a network of people that are also like really passionate about what they do and have like really exciting backgrounds. So it's just really fun. Yesterday, sorry, <laughs> I never talk this much. <laughs> Yesterday, I learned what a hackathon is. I don't even know if this is like a normal term, but another learning developer said, I need to get something out quick. Does someone want to come to a hackathon? And I said, that sounds cool. And so we went to the office for eight hours and it was our SME and then the two of us as learning developers and we were just like pumping out a rice course in a day, you know? And if we didn't know something about the content, we'd ask Philip, <laughs> Philip, what actually is this part of the software? What does this mean? You know? And so then in one day, we were able to get something done super fast and that's going to be like ready to go out while it's going out for feedback today. So, you know, something where we're just like the three of us in a room for eight hours and playing music and joking and getting something really cool done. That's been really fun too, just to have, I don't know, fun geeky moments like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a whole new world. Have you even been to some of these countries that you're going to for your business trips? No, the ones I will be going to, I haven't gone to at all. One of our business trips was going to meet people in the call centers, which is exciting. You know, you're making training for these people. Like I would actually like to see how you work. Yeah. And so we went to Elmholt, which is actually where IKEA started. And so we got to see like the IKEA museum and just like the heart of all of these things that we hear about a lot of in IKEA and like the core, the values, and then the people that work there. And we got to ask them a bunch of questions like, as because that's when I'm working on designing now, like I'm thinking about doing this. And they'd say, well, that's not really how I work. And they'd show me this. So then I was just like, you guys are amazing. People in call centers are amazing. <laughs> they do a lot. And so meeting people that I'm going creating training for has been really great. And then going out to meet the trainers that will then facilitate the training that we're creating is also going to be exciting. Right now I'm doing a lot of Zoom meetings with them, but meeting them in person is something I'm excited about as well. Oh my gosh. It's all, I mean, I just, I'm just so happy for you sharing you. You found instructional design. You, you built your portfolio, you landed like your dream job in what, like six months. Yeah. Kind of like what we're saying. And now you've been in your role for six months. And so just to kind of wrap it up, what is like your best advice for those that are looking to become an idol? What would you tell them? I remember in your videos, watch a lot of your videos, Robin, (laughs) you were saying like, 
you just need to hear the lingo. You need to be uh, around like people that are using these acronyms like sneeze and all of these words that are unique to business or instructional design. And so when I was in the kind of application interview process, I was watching a lot of webinars and a lot of your content and just hearing. And when I was talking with Camilla telling, and she was telling me how I should rephrase my answers for the resume or the interview questions, a lot of it is just the words that you use and talking like they talk. And so when they ask you about experiences with SMEs, you can say like, oh yeah, I know that can go south and this and this and this way. Not that I've personally experienced that, but I've heard people talk about those things. So finding out how to articulate my experience in a way that would kind of translate for business and then also hearing enough about other people's experiences that I can use the same lingo as them was so huge for me to just not feel like a fraud in every interview and to represent myself like, I kind of know what I'm doing. And I kind of, you know, every step I took, it felt like maybe I really am this, you know, like kind of fake it till you make it. I actually have a portfolio. I guess that's like, that's something. So I would say just immerse yourself in the content and also just keep pushing and keep believing that you are what you're telling people you are. (laughs) And eventually you will be like, you have the skills. You just have to be able to tell people about it with the right words. And at this point, Sharon, I mean, you really are an instructional designer. You have experiences that not a lot of people get, even just the fact that you're in a big global company and the how important analysis is and the localization and all these other things on being able to give feedback to other consultants, managing budgets for your programs. And, but you also have the experience that you had when you got to kind of be the unicorn and do it all without kind of oversight. And so you, I mean, you know, if you have any of those feelings, I want to make sure that you know that you really are an instructional designer. You have a lot to offer. And I'm just so glad that you came and shared your story with us. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. I just cannot say enough good things about your Academy and I'm still meeting teachers that are just feeling frustrated and struggling in their positions. And I keep telling them, you need to look into the Idol Academy because it really has been like a life-changing academy for me. You know, it's made a huge difference for me. So thank you. Oh my gosh, that makes it all worth it. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at idlecourses.com. If you like this podcast and you want to become an instructional designer, an online learning developer, join me in the Idol Courses Academy where you'll learn to build all the assets you need to land your first instructional design job, early access to this podcast, tutorials for how to use the e-learning authoring tools, templates for everything course building, and paid instructional design experience opportunities. Go to idlecourses.com forward slash academy and enroll or get on the wait list. Now get out there and build transcendent courses.